Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, some of the Twinkle EYFS team, special guest speakers and other early years practitioners as we talk honestly about our experiences. Whether you're listening for CPD, on your commute or to help you relax, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello, it's Shana here from the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast, here to bring you another great episode from our Twinkle Private Early Years team. We are going to be joining a lovely chat with Katie, Charlotte, Bliss and Hannah. And they're going to be answering some questions that they have been asked on their social media. So let's go take a listen to their answers. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Private Early Years chat room. I'm Katie. And I'm Charlotte. I'm Fliss. And I'm Hannah. In today's episode, we're going to answer some of the questions that we see a lot on our social media or we've been asked in person just to do with the common problems and queries we get asked about earlier settings um so a few questions that we've seen pop up is about cctv in the early earlier setting so how is it used do you use it have you guys ever had worked in a nursery with cctv no, no. I, no. I wouldn't have wanted to <laughs> yeah if i knew it had cctv i'd just be like i feel like i'm on big brother i don't want to work in that nursery that would have been like a game changer for you yeah like why do they need to be watching us all the time like, I just feel conscious not that you should feel conscious because like, it's not like you're doing anything wrong but it's just like if I just knew a camera was just up there watching me I'd be like if I just something like a minute just sat on the iPad like updating stuff I feel like they'd be shouting like go and interact like or something like that I don't know I wouldn't like it that says something about the trauma we all have from working in early <laughs> you just feel like your manager's breathing down your neck all your time <laughs> do you think you'd get used to it though after a bit of time Yeah, it would be weird to start with having it running, but you'd kind of almost forget it was there. I'm not saying I'd want it either, but I wonder if you maybe would just get used to it being in the background. I mean, I get it because if something happened, there's no no denying what's happened because you can see it like it's there on camera. So like sometimes when stuff would happen and people would be like, well, no, I didn't do that. And then everyone would start like saying different sides to the story. I feel like with CCTV, you could see it and it would help solve like safeguarding issues or stuff like that within the rooms or if anything happened but I just feel like it's a little bit too intrusive. (laughs) There's a couple of times as a manager that I would have found it really useful because staff would make allegations against each other and it would be one member of staff's word against another and so if you could have gone and looked at some CCTV it would have saved a lot of time rather than interviewing and trying to find out what happened so that would have been really useful as a manager but I as a practitioner I do understand that it would be not very nice thinking you're being watched all the time so I have worked at a nursery with CCTV and I feel like you have all encompassed my experience so there would be times when you'd be doing something and then all of a sudden you'd have the call from the managers upstairs being like oh you should have done this or this needs to be done differently and I used to find it quite difficult in the sense of it's easy for you to say it watching it from a different room whereas I've got 16 toddlers in the room with me right now this is why we're doing it so I used to find it quite interruptive in that sense so I guess it depends on what the managers in the setting are and how they're using it whether they're jumping in in the moment or it's like a learning moment afterwards out of the moment if you know what I mean because I did feel sometimes that you were being watched 
But there would also be incidents that happen within the room. And that's when the CCTV was actually useful because there'd always be, there's always a biter. And then you'd never see the bite actually happen between two children. So it was always really useful to go back and be able to confirm what had happened and when it had happened. Or if a parent says, blah, blah, has come home and said this happened. And you're like, oh, we didn't see that. But you can go back and check it. So I found it useful from that perspective. Another thing that I did find it useful for as a manager, which is exactly what people don't want to hear. You're right, Hannah, you do forget it's there. I found it useful for being able to do observations on staff. And it was never in a, you're not doing that right way. But when you're being observed by a peer and they're sitting next to you in the room, it doesn't matter who you are, you act differently. So you don't get a real sense of what's going on. Whereas I felt when you were looking on the cameras, you could see what was happening. But I think the thing that I liked about the cameras where I worked is they didn't have sound. It's not like I was sitting there like insulting anyone or swearing at the children that I didn't want to be heard. But it still felt like there was that sort of a level of privacy, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) No, I was thinking the sound thing as well. Like, I mean, you go in on a Monday, you're going to catch up with the practitioners in your room. Like you all get on, you're going to say what you got up to on the week. Oh, you had a nice weekend. I wouldn't want then the manager to be thinking, oh, you're just chatting like for like five minutes. I don't know. Like you would probably would get used to it, but. I guess in the way that they used it in your setting, if I wouldn't like it if a manager straight away then rang up and came down and was like, why have you not done that when they've not seen the whole picture or like been in the situation? Like, but if they used it in the way that like they, yeah, observed you and they picked up little bits of your practice for like constructive criticism and like moving forward, I think that would be useful. But I guess like you said, Katie, it's just how the managers use it. If it's a manager just sat there staring at the CCTV all day, I don't think that's used in an appropriate way. I don't know. Maybe the manager needs to look at their to-do list, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. If they're just looking at CCTV all day, they're clearly not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But then again, some people might, some managers might see it as like a bit of a power trip. So, you know, when they've got like this power over everyone and they can see what you're doing. Whereas I don't think that's right. It should be used for the purpose of, you know, just making sure everything's ticking away as it should and there's nothing major going on. Mm. I was saying with the power thing, it's like you don't want that sort of culture in the nursery. Like we talk about like well-being and stuff all the time. If you've got a camera watching you and you want to be able to go into your manager's office and speak to them openly and like confidently about stuff, but then if the camera is giving this impression of power, it doesn't create that nice culture, does it? Like, mm-hmm. I guess you've got to, got to consider things like that. I guess the flip side is if you're a manager and you're watching the CCTV, like you might actually pick up that the room isn't suitable space or that actually they could really do with another practitioner to help in that room. So kind of using it as a positive side of it to actually see that, you know, maybe we need a different entrance way or, or routine for getting out in the garden like, and actually using it constructively, like you yeah, said. absolutely. As long as it's being used in a way that supports the practitioners in the setting, I think it's a good idea. But I think we've all come from experiences where you've not necessarily had the most supportive managers and you can see how, you can quickly see how easily it would be for that system to be misused. We also had um, people asking about parent drop-offs. So whether or not your parents drop off at the door or they drop off inside the nursery like they're allowed to come in. I know personally from my experience with COVID, the parent drop off instead of them coming in began to change to you dropped off at the door. And I personally really liked that. and I didn't want that to change back to them coming in just 
more so because it made it so much easier just being able to get the stuff and take them to the door instead of them parents coming in and the children start like messing about and faffing about and taking like 10 hours to get out of the building but I mean that's my own personal experience what do you guys think? I say when I worked in the nursery the whole time I was there it was drop off at the door because they changed it with Covid and kind of never really went back to bringing them into the rooms they have done now only I'd say in the last like six months to a year they've gone to that but I think they wanted to keep it as at the door for a while because it it worked it would just flowed easier but I mean we would end up with like a queue but then you end up with a queue and like multiple parents in the room at the same time anyway but I think handovers were just quicker because parents were like knew that there was people waiting behind them that sort of thing I, I preferred it to be honest. Do you know why they went back to it, Fliss, like letting people back in? I don't know, maybe, I've, I don't actually know why they went back to it. I mean, I think it's, I think mainly for baby room they did it because the baby room was upstairs. So babies had to be getting dropped off on the door and practitioners carrying them upstairs and then like bringing them down. And like when like five parents were to here to pick up, we in toddler room were having to ring up and be like, oh, so-and-so's parents here. Then practitioners were coming up and down the stairs with babies. So <clears throat> I think it made it easier for the baby room because parents could go up and go into the room I think that was the main reason why they went back to it and then they just rolled it out to the whole nursery but because preschool rooms so open anyway preschool still pick up on the door they don't come in um so it's just mainly with toddlers and babies that they've gone back to being in the room yeah when we moved away from parents coming in I just noticed such a change the end of the day felt so much less chaotic because as soon as children see someone else's parents come in they I think they just naturally assume that theirs is going to be there any minute. And it's a total behaviour change. I always, It used to feel so chaotic to me. And then I always feel, used to feel so sad for the children that would get picked up at five to six and the first parent walks in at four and you have to be like, not you, pal, you've still got two hours. <laughs> I used to find as well when we used to let them in, they used to, like, random parents would come in with the parents that had not even buzzed in. So, like, it was kind of a, got, I used to say it was kind of like a safety issue as well because... Mm-hmm. If we buzzed, if someone was in, on the phone saying, oh, I'm here to collect so-and-so, and then we buzzed them in, other parents would just come in <laughs> with yeah. those parents without, we used to say, could you please buzz in separate and wait for us to let you in? But they just used to all come in in a big group. And then we were like, well, what if a random are off like the street just decides to pretend to come? And then they're just being let in as well. So I used to feel like it was a bit like of a safety issue sometimes, like letting them come into the nursery instead of us going to the door. And we used to find as well, like sometimes you think the voice you hear is the mum or the dad and then you let them in and then it's like uncle or auntie that you've never seen before. So I used to say by going to the door, you can look at them as well and be like, oh, I don't recognise you, sorry. Can I have the password or I'm just going to ring mum and dad and see who you are and if you're supposed to be collecting. So you used to find going to the door was a lot safer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. By the t- If they're already in the setting, it's a bit late, isn't it? And we used to find as well that you would have to have very particular members of staff going to the door. So it'd be the people that would recognise the parents, whereas I found when parents were flitting in and out, they'd just be let in by the people who were nearest the door. And when you have bank staff or people who aren't regularly in your room, they might not necessarily recognise someone. So that was always a bit of an issue as well. So that's a good point. In one of the settings I worked in, the manager would answer the door at like peak times of day because generally they would know, like Katie was saying, who the parents are and if there's someone coming who we don't recognise. And But it was always really chaotic. The doorbell would be going constantly. So having a member of staff to do that was good but another setting I worked in had individual doors outside doors into each room and that was the best 
drop-off situation. But parents would still come in and then you, you can end up with like three or four parents in a small room. And as we've said, it gets really chaotic. And I think at drop-off as well, a lot of children find it unsettling once their parent comes in. I think good practice is parents come in and they talk to the key person and hand over. But in reality, I've often found it actually quite unsettling for children and like a quick drop off and go actually works better. So if you if you had your own setting now, would you have people come in or drop off at the door? Because I would definitely have a drop off yeah. at the door. Yeah, <laughs> drop off at the door. I mean, yeah. for parent partnerships, probably you would want them to come in and feel part of the setting, but drop off at the door is just so much easier. <laughs> for the convenience of the day. <laughs> so another question has been about um, parents' evenings and whether you have them or not. And if you do, how you manage them in your setting? Well, in the nursery I worked at, we had them twice a year in the preschool. Well, every room actually had them at the same time twice a year. So even the baby room did parents' evening twice a year. And then one of them was mainly for preschool around transition time to school. That makes so we would sense. try to get it in before the children left. So it was mainly like May, June time. And we would go through all our transition forms that we'd done for school and go through all that with the parents and any issues they had about them going to school, anything they wanted us to work on for the final stretch before they went. And then the other one was usually like October, November time. And um, we used to do them after work. So can you imagine like you've done a full shift, you're absolutely shattered and then you've got to speak to like five or six groups of parents for hours. We'll put that professional face back on with the fake smile. <laughs> Yeah, like I used to apologise for like the state of myself. Like I'd be like, I'm so sorry I look like this, but um, I've been working with children all day. Like, and I had literally had like my cup of like black coffee next to me. So if I start buzzing in a minute, it's because I'm down in this coffee because I'm so tired. But um, I mean, the parents did a lot of them really liked coming in and having a chat. And before we had tablets, we used to have the learning journeys. So we used to go through the learning journeys with them and like talk about what their next steps were um, for the areas of learning. And then once we got the tablets, it got a bit quicker because it then just changed into a chat because they could see the stuff on the tablets anyway. So we didn't really need to cut, sort of go through it in depth as the learning journeys because they didn't see the learning journeys unless they asked to see them. So the tablets helped with parents' evening getting a, a lot quicker, but they were quite time consuming. And um, Do you feel like as a practitioner and what you were doing every day that they were useful? I think the younger children needed them as much because a lot of a lot of the stuff the younger children were doing it was sort of gone through it like pick up and drop off I think the main one that I used to benefit from was the school transition one just before school but then I did used to think like some of the staff in the baby room would be like I don't really have anything to tell them because their child's like five months old like what do I really say like how can they already kind of know what they're starting to do and yeah, I think the handovers you do in a baby room would be a lot more detailed. Yeah. There's yeah. so much more day to day. Yeah, so like the younger children, the staff used to be like, the handovers you tell them anyway. So their parents' evenings, they used to think were a little bit pointless. But I used to think in preschool, because they were a lot older, the definitely the one before school was important, I used to think. So I didn't mind doing that one. Mm-hmm. What about you? Listen, Hannah, did you ever do anything? We didn't have parents' evenings as such, but when we handed out like our two year two and a half year progress like update we give it to them on handover as like a print out and just say like once you've like read through it if you want to 
like have a meeting to discuss more in detail, have a catch up, then just like ring the nursery and we'll sort it out. And often parents did that and the meeting would just happen at a time suitable to the parents. So sometimes it'd be at like half five when they're coming to pick the child up, one of us would go out in the room and a manager would come in and cover to have the meeting for half an hour but we never really had set parents evenings I can see where it would work in preschool for transitions that's the only time I'd probably want to use it but like Charlotte said for like babies toddlers if they want to know more they tend to ask if you have an issue you tend to put a meeting in anyway I don't know what much there is to say in them I guess because handovers tend to be so detailed anyway yeah what about you Hannah I think we had a similar situation to Fliss if parents wanted to have a meeting they could request one and parents did regularly do that but one thing we did do was like Saturday open mornings which would be like a bit like a stay and play and you could come and chat to the child's key person and sort of have a look through a learning journey when we had paper ones which was a really nice idea but I think when I said about this before recording it was a bit of a reaction but would you want to come in on a Saturday and that was a bit of an issue not everyone wanted to come in no I would not want to come in on a Saturday (laughs) (laughs) after a really long week working long days the last thing you probably want to do is get up and come in on a Saturday and I think we probably did them a couple of times a year and parents did really appreciate them and they were well turned out. So it kind of made it worth it. I think if people didn't turn up, it would have been I've got up early on my Saturday morning and nobody's come. But yeah. parents did really appreciate them. So it, it did make it worthwhile. I've never done an in-parents parents evening. It was only after COVID. So they were all done on tablets after work, which I think kind of negates some of the timing issues because I could just be like yeah look I've got to go to my next appointment and they're only ever in 10 minute slots so we did stay behind after work and I think we left probably about eight ish because you have to accommodate in everyone's time and we did it two nights and that was it and I don't know it's even now reflecting on it I kind of felt like it was just me saying to the parents your child's doing great here's a couple of things they could improve on or that we're working on but actually because of the parent partnership and the handovers and you talk to these people every time the child's in anyway I didn't personally feel like I was giving them any new information but I think the parents got a lot more out of it than I did like they seem to really enjoy having the opportunity to talk in detail because even though we're giving over this information every day in handover we are probably doing it a little bit more rushed because we can see that the next person's there, or we know that by us being at the door talking to the parent, there's chaos inside with the actual toddler room or the baby room. So I think for the parent, it was great for them to actually have the opportunity to just have my attention and to be able to talk about their children. Yeah, I think when I used to do them, because sometimes it was hard to get the parents out. (laughs) So they'd be talking, and then, you know, like when you can see that they just really just want to chat to you. So you don't want to be rude and be like, excuse me, your time's up, get out. (laughs) Um, Please. Yeah, and then, like, they used to, like, get their phones out and start showing me photos of their children, like, oh, this is what they did last weekend, and then you get on this massive topic about so many different things, um, and then I'd have, like, a Q of parents just stood in the room and I'm like come on so I got to know the parents quite well so I was like right you're not having the first slot because you will talk forever so you're going to last <laughs> and I used to literally give them a time based on how chatty I knew they were to see if it would help me get them out faster. I imagine you're the one that starts like contributes to the chat though knowing you Charlotte like you can talk for quite a while as well. I can but when I've been there since like 8am <laughs> I'm not at the end of the day I was just like come on let's go but yeah probably probably a bit of both to be honest. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the private earliest chat room as always you can find us on a variety of social media platforms including Facebook, Facebook groups, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, 
YouTube. If it exists, we're probably on it, but we'll speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Thank you so much to the earliest private team. It was great to have a little chat with you and to hear what your answers are about some of the questions you've been asked. I wonder if you, our lovely listeners, would have the same answers. Come and join us on social media and get in the conversation. If you would like to find our Twinkle Early Years private team, then make sure you check this episode for their social links. It's been great to have you. I can't wait to see you again for another episode. See you soon. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to join in or would like to know more, then come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook page, Facebook groups, an Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. All the links of where to find us will be in our podcast description. Come and join the conversation. And whatever you're doing today, I hope you have a great day.